Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahadev Sharma and Patrick Mooney for the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. We got the whole group together. It was the last two. We just had to do a little, uh, little two-man booth uh, situation, but now we got all three of us back together. Um, and, you know, just in time to discuss the uh, the stretch run for the Cubs road to getting back <laughs> into contention no uh i kid uh, you know i we are all i think still adjusting to uh, a an august and september where competitiveness is completely off the table for the first time in seven years and indeed i was thinking about that seven years ago that 2014 season which was again the last time that we weren't talking about either as fans as media whatever the Cubs in a push toward the postseason. And I remember that second half of 2014 quite well, because as you'll recall, that was the introduction of cookies. That was when the youngsters were finally starting to come up. Uh, the the Cubs were starting to look like a team where you could think about competitiveness the next year. And this has a very different feel. Uh, would we, would we agree on that? Uh, I think that's insulting to Frank, Schwindel and Yoshuen Vargas. <laughs> it says everything that you had to hesitate for a second before you said his last name. <laughs> like that really uh, yeah. Well I did I, I, will I not, did call I will him not Pete tolerate the other any day, Frank so. pause Schwindel uh slander in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I mean I, I was thinking the same thing when, when you started saying we haven't we haven't dealt with this in seven years. It was like with 2014, there was genuine excitement among the fan base in the second half because, you know, people that had been paying attention a little bit were like, oh, these guys are finally coming up. Here's some, like you said, here are the cookies that, that Theo promised the, that eventually get fans would eventually get. So it was, it was a much different feeling. It's, it's, uh, look, Manny Rodriguez looks like he has a future as a legit major league reliever, but it's hard to get pumped and and uh, and excited about about Manny Rodriguez. It just is, and uh, there's just not much to watch on the field right now. That's no disrespect to the players. Uh, I you know I'm sure they're all trying to win and trying to fight for spots uh, either with the Cubs or in the big leagues, but there's just it's it's hard to focus on a single player and say this guy is going to be a big piece of the next great Cubs team. Those guys aren't aren't really there right now. You know, there's a few little pieces that that I think will be interesting going forward. Patrick Wisdom looks really, you know, it's nice to see that he's continuing to perform. I think that's a that's a that's a nice development for the Cubs, but it's also not something where you say there's your heart of the order guy or there this is your big piece for the lineup or or here's your number one A starting future number one A starting pitcher. Not none of that's really there right now, so it's hard to Got it. hard the, to focus on. If the Cubs the go games. to the offseason with Patrick Wisdom as the number one starting ace, <laughs> there's some real trouble coming. He's got a cannon though. I guess I shouldn't yeah, say that. Yeah, he can throw it. He can sing it. Well, I do think it's interesting that Theo and Jed came in for their big rebuild, the plan, and they were pretty disparaging at every corner about what they inherited from Jim Hendry's regime. And I do wonder if you're looking at the Cubs right now, is there a Wilson Contreras? Is there a Javi Baez? Is there a DJ LeMahieu, a player that they totally dismissed and traded away? Is there a pitcher like Andrew Kashner that you can flip 
for an Anthony Rizzo? Uh, I don't think so. I'm not saying that this has to be as bad as it was at the beginning there, but I I do think it's kind of the the humbling nature of baseball that, you know, a group that kind of walked in and that ultimately delivered, uh, but then found out, you know, how hard it is to kind of sustain and uh, reinvent yourself. And I think they are now encountering a very similar set of problems that they uh, inherited in October, November, 2011. Well, so I want to try to synthesize some of these things that we actually just talked about in relation to what we continue to to look at and evaluate and observe over the next two months for the Cubs. And it ties back to something that you had just written, Sahadev, about, um, I mean, obviously, particularly, and I mean this in a complimentary way, very eye-catching, like, title and, like, concept for it. It's It's essentially, hey... Shouldn't the Cubs go after Nick Castellanos this offseason if he opts out? Isn't he perfect for so many reasons, both in terms of the roster, the lineup, and just the PR value? And, um, you know, never before has a Cub become so beloved in just two months uh, as he did, and he earned it. He's, I mean, he's beloved for a reason. The guy was just so easy to root for and to enjoy his outlook on the sport. And, of course, he played out of his mind with the Cubs. But setting the specifics of Castellanos aside, though I would recommend everyone read that article because it's just anything about him. I just love, I just love reading about him. Um, it, it, it called to mind something, and this was even, I was thinking this reading it this morning before we even started talking, but I'm reading that and I'm thinking about Patrick Wisdom. Okay. And I'm thinking about him specifically for this reason. As we think about what the next two months will be and the evaluation of the roster and what the Cubs will need to do heading into 2022 if they're going to even give themselves a chance of competing in the Central, which, you know, all the messaging, all the public messaging is, hey, it's still a winnable division, you know, yada, yada, yada. Here's my question. And, and you you dropped the line, Sahadev, that, you know, the, the, right now, the Cubs can't look to 2022 and sell Patrick Wisdom as the he's the middle of the order bat you know he's the guy who's driving this offense and whether he could do that is I'm not judging his ability I'm saying I agree from a public messaging standpoint you know that that that's not a, a very easy sell but that got me thinking what is there anything he could do is there anything that all the players that were kind of evaluating in these final two months could do could show where you would head into the offseason saying well i think they probably you know if they're going to use x amount of resources they should maybe not look at third base or they should maybe wherever you're going to park patrick wisdom whether you know i know they're giving him a look at first base is there anything or is it just going to be a situation where it's like we're happy to have him he's cheaply under control he's going to be turning 30 you can't plan on him being a guy, whatever the position. And so you almost have to ignore his existence for the purposes of roster construction. It just, it, it, I, and I don't know how to answer that question. So I, I'm just teeing it up to you guys. Cause I'm curious, your thoughts is, is for as much as we talk about these next two months as being important for evaluation and development, how much do they actually matter when the rubber meets the road and you're making decisions in the off season about who to sign, who to target, who to not. Yeah, I mean, outside of uh, 
Kyle Hendricks and Wilson Contreras, I don't think any positions or any spots are locked down for 2022, right? Maybe I'm missing someone. Second uh, second base. Oh, yeah, probably. yeah. Madrigal and then Nico has a spot on the roster, right? Uh, assuming health for all those guys. Both Madrigal. on the injured list. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, assuming health, those those four guys, they're on the roster for 2022, right? And, uh, you know, you, you, I think... Sure, Patrick Wisdoms looks good. He 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 looks like a piece that you can. For me, what what he's shown me is like this guy is a major league player, right? I I don't know if he's an everyday player for a winning ball club yet. I that's really difficult to say at this point. I don't think, I don't think you can definitively say that for Patrick Wisdom. Uh, so no, you go into this offseason. If listen, Jed said over and over to us on whatever day that was Tuesday that this is not going to be like the previous rebuild this is not to 2022 and 2023 are not 2012 and 2013 so that means he's not looking to strip down the roster and and lose 90 to 100 plus games that's not what they're trying to do if that's true if he can he also said listen I can't <clears throat> I can't tell you exactly what we're going to do because we don't know and that's fair. I know some people feel like he's he's avoiding uh, answering that but the CBA is coming up. It's true. Like Nick Castellanos doesn't know what he's going to do with his opt out because the CBA is coming up, right? All these guys, everyone, like everyone is kind of in limbo for this offseason. Uh I I will say I'm I'm sure Patrick's heard this as well. There's growing optimism that there won't be uh, like a work stoppage, right? That's that's a good thing. Can I can I yeah. pause you real quick? Because that's and that that does. There are others who have intimated similarly, and because that runs so counter to everyone's sort of pessimism after the last few years. Just to be sure, are you saying what you've heard is that there's optimism there won't be a shutdown that cuts into games? Or there won't be a shutdown in December when the that's, CBA expires. Yeah, December that's 1. no, I'm not saying that they'll have a deal by December one. Uh, I'm definitely not saying that. I'm saying we won't miss part of the season. At least I shouldn't say we won't. I said there's I should say they're optimistic. Yeah. There's optimism. There are that, people like, who are optim people yeah. who have reason to and maybe these are know people that things. were not optimistic, yeah. uh, whatever, pre pandemic or during the pandemic. It, so it's changed. Something's changed in the situation that uh, people feel a little bit more optimistic about that. So, but okay. So, so Jed has said that he he doesn't really know what's going to happen. But here's the deal: if you're going to tell us that it's not 2012, 2013, you can't go into next uh, season saying, "Well, Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson. That's what this season's about. This season's about uh, uh, hopefully Brennan Davis uh, making a, a late season appearance or." Whatever, you know, I'm not even sure what else I could suggest, right? Like, there, there's not many prospects knocking on the door. They have to add in, in multiple areas. They have to add uh, pitchers, and they have to add some thump to the lineup. I mean, it's great that Madrigal and Nico Horner, I, I love that idea of, of adding, you know, guys that are going to be around for a while, having guys that make contact and a hit for average. Great. That's a good thing. We need The Cubs need that. But they also need power. And, and like Patrick and I wrote in our prospect piece, it's not like they're ignoring it and just going all in on contact and average. There's a nice little mix in the system, but 
you have to add someone that that's going to impact that lineup right away. I used Castellanos as a jumping off point, sure, and, and he makes a ton of sense in various ways, but you just need an established MLB impact guy uh, to be added to the lineup. And, and Jed acknowledged that as much as well. So if they don't, we we know, I mean, if if nothing happens this offseason, nothing big, if there's no real change outside of some one-year deals here and there, I mean, that's going to be, that that's going to look a little odd and it's going, and it has to frustrate fans because what you're saying is there's no piece that we've added that's a long-term piece that, that, you know, and that 2023 is 2022, we're going to try for the division. We're going to try and compete in 2023. That's the year where that's the next, you know, great Cubs team. That's the beginning of it. You know, Brennan Davis will be up. Other guys will be coming up through the system. They can trade for impact players, whatever it may be. There's going to be a lot of flexibility and maneuverability, but it has to start this offseason. You can't say 2023 is the year and then we're going to start that that the winter before then. It just doesn't it, it doesn't add up. I, I don't think anybody would say that's a sound way to go about it if the goal is for a quick turnaround and to be competing very soon. And and Jed said he wants to compete next year. Maybe not be a great, great, obvious World Series contender, but you have to start competing again. And the division's winnable. I mean, the only team that looks like this team is around and and could could make an impact, like a significant impact next year, in my opinion, is St. Louis. Again, I'm underestimating Milwaukee because I will forever. Uh, but <laughs> but St. Louis will have Flaherty coming back, Hudson coming back, and a lot of money coming off the books. And they have two nice offensive players to kind of build their offense around in, in Goldschmidt and Arenado and some young talent and like Dylan Carlson. So so there's and there's and they have prospects as well. So I, I, I think it makes a ton of sense to start pushing in if you're the Cubs. They're the only team that can throw their financial money around and if they don't in the central i mean uh and if they don't it's it's just a bad look when the cubs finally think they're good again the brewers are going to be like coming off back-to-back world series titles <laughs> and we're still going to be like you know that brewers roster i'm not sure there's enough there i know they won the last two world series and like five of the last seven division titles but i just don't see it over 162 you know yelich didn't that win the mvp last year like and I say that because Brett was mentioned last year, uh, last episode of like, what do the Brewers do every offseason? Like they find good pieces that are not um, prohibitively expensive, uh, that they fit into a larger kind of puzzle and council uh, just pushes the right buttons. And I think there's something there that the Cubs I mean, Sahid, if you know this, like since game 163, it's been endlessly frustrating to the Cubs front office of like, why do, in their minds, why do we have all this talent? We have so much talent. They always say, we have so much talent. And the Brewers wind up overtaking them. Uh, usually they wait until September. Uh, you know, this <laughs> time they did it in June and July and just obliterated the Cubs season. But I think there's a way there, whether it's, uh, doing what the Giants did with their rotation. You just have to be right. You know, they don't get the built-in, you know, they, they're they not going to have three to five years of excuses here or like, you know, we're waiting on the farm or, you know, who could have known that, you know, Edwin Jackson wasn't going to like, was going to wind up on three other teams like two seasons afterwards. Like they have to just get it right. And whether that's, you know, um, you know they fell short on Darvish the first time, you know, he came out from Japan, you know, they were, 
heavily in on uh, Ryu, who was an outstanding pitcher. I mean, they're just there are moves like that that can make sense in a short and long term area, and I think that's where you get the kind of middle lineup guy we're talking about. Uh, I think they need at least two legitimate starting pitchers. Uh, I'm with you, Brett, in terms of like, this is all kind of nice evaluation period, but I don't think they're going to make any firm decisions. Like, I think wisdom is a nice piece for a team because he has a lot of uh, skills and can move around and he's athletic. And, you know, maybe one of these pitchers, you know, gets like a leg up in the race for rotation next year. But I think the bullpen there are just going to be – that's going to be a total grab bag. It's going to be which guys can move up and down from Iowa. Uh, maybe they sign one established guy, but otherwise it's going to be – they think they've got something figured out on the bullpen side at least. They're, they're, they're very confident on that side. Yeah, that's that's perhaps the one area where – you know, they've shown out for years now and they've they've brought in guys for sure, but they've also just had so much success with getting that group of like, you know, triple A MLB adjacent guys who do one extreme thing and they bring them in, they repackage, they tweak, they whatever. And it, you just got to hit on like two of four and boom, you, you know, so I, they, I don't know. It's naive to ever say I'm not worried about a bullpen. It'll be fine no matter what. But, you know. That's definitely been their area of success. And it's also the one area where they do have a really significant volume of impact caliber prospect talent at triple you know, um, that, you know, it's Brennan Davis. And then just a lot of guys that are like, okay, maybe a contributor that's the positional side. And, and that makes me think and this ties to all of this too. And, and Castellanos is, is sort of a nice, a nice, uh, like, peg for this discussion too which is that when we talk about all the flexibility that the cubs will have going forward you know we think typically about the financial flexibility there's just so little committed going forward and then the uh prospect flexibility you know that, that you've brought in all of these these prospects that give you the flexibility to do what you want to do going forward when those sort of maybe pricey arbitration players on the Rays or whatever come up and they're looking to move someone out, well, you can be the team that pounces. But I was thinking there's really another area of flexibility that the Cubs haven't had since pre-2015, and that's positional and roster flexibility to not feel like there are certain guys locked in. You know, when you started talking, Sadev, about like, okay, yeah, you know, Madrigal and Horner probably have roster spots locked in and Kyle Hendricks and, and, and Wilson Contreras, obviously. But like beyond that, there's nobody. There's nobody that you would say, well, this guy, look, we can't justify signing X player because we already have so-and-so to play left field. You know, we can't. And You look at when Castellanos departed in free agency two years ago, a part of the issue, of course it was financial. Of course it was. But a part of it too was a belief that, well, we're also committed to Kyle Schwarber and he's got to play left field because we still believe in him. He had had, remember that killer second half in 2019. So you didn't really want to displace him. And then you had Jason Hayward in right field. And it was like, he was sort of starting to progress and get back to better. And, and at that time he was still only 29. And it's like, well, we don't really want to displace that either. And can we rotate guys? Can we coordinate all of them? Yeah, maybe, but it's not ideal. You know, it's not ideal. Well, now, going into this offseason, for the first time in a very long time, 
there just isn't any of that where you're like, nope, can't justify pursuing this player because there, there's, there's too much already in place. There is literally not a position on the field. I would, I would include second base in that because you could coordinate things if you had to. There, there's just not a spot where you could possibly say, well, this guy doesn't make any sense for the Cubs because of what they already have. And it's been a very long time since that was true. And so I, I think that's got to be freeing to Jed Hoyer, who you know loves the idea of being able to to look at the whole of free agency and those, again, those those trade targets who are sort of being cast off. So you almost think of them as free agents. You lo- I'm sure he loves the idea of being able to pick over that. And some might be big long-term deals. Some might be just one-year guys that like, oh, he wants a bounce back maybe with us and we've got a spot for it now. So I don't know that almost it almost reads like a preemptive defense but it's it's really just a reminder that that's a level of flexibility that hasn't existed to this point either yeah and, and i mean if you remember well this is the rebuild years and hopefully this isn't the route they're going but that that was attractive to pitchers uh back then there's guaranteed uh you know uh rotation spots for them and and they can sign that one-year deal and bounce back it works it 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 can work if you get the right players and and you're putting together a team that actually contends right like the the giants essentially did that the giants pulled it off really well with their rotation and and it they kind of nailed it and and it's working really well for them and then in that situation you can be aggressive come the deadline to fill holes as well right if your team surprises and you're suddenly contending uh it you you don't have to you know it's not a sign and flip uh deal it's a hey this guy's worked out uh and and we can you can trade for chris bryant you could trade for chris bryant (laughs) so (laughs) i mean but you know in a sense that's kind of you know forget the name chris bryant but at some point, that's going to be something that makes sense, right? Like, uh, I think more like Jose Barrios, right? Uh, that Those are the types of deals, hopefully soon, the Cubs are going to be trying to make. Because you look at their system and you say, wow, I this guy has high upside. This guy, you look at low A, Arizona Complex League. I know fans don't want to hear it. Uh, I'm not trying to say like, hey, wait till Owen Casey comes up and starts lighting up Wrigley Field. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying... Look at how much high upside talent they have. If Those guys don't need to be stars in the big leagues four years ago for this to work out for the Cubs. What they need is to continue to progress, get to uh, high A or double A and then buy, you know, soon and be and be real nice trade pieces. And then you use that to go get someone like Barrio, someone like Mookie Betts, someone that there's going to be a player on a on a team that has more than just two months left on his deal, right? That you can go and pounce on and say, this is the guy. And now you really leverage the money that you have and, and the financial flexibility and say now, okay, this was what we've been waiting for. And that's kind of what I think they're building, right? That that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to get to that point where you have so much surplus talent in the in the farm system and now you don't have to trade your top two prospects it doesn't work like that anymore people will take the the fifth best prospect and the eighth best best prospect and maybe uh a, like a 
superfluous uh, piece in the major league roster that that can help that team right away or whatever, right? They'll deals like that happen. It's not like crazy to say, oh, you can't get a, an impact player for without trading your top prospects. That's not how it works anymore. So, so there's they're 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 lined up to to do some things. It's just how long will it take and will they act? How soon will they act? Uh, and I think those are valid questions from fans because we don't we still don't know and. And it, and it's fair to to be uh, skeptical about it all. It, it, I, I totally get why fans would be like, "Hey, this this sucks," and and I don't trust that they're going to be winning anytime soon. You're exactly right in that the Cubs are going to have a very compelling case to those free agent pitchers who just want to be able to make thirty plus starts. And you know, if Rossi can sweet talk like Jock Peterson, like I'm sure he's going to be a very compelling guy on the other end of the line. Working with Tommy Hadovy, uh spring training in Scottsdale, summer in Chicago, like it works. I think the only two questions are one, can the Cubs get it right? I mean, Trevor Williams, Zach Davies, Jake Arietta, there was no noticeable uh improvements this year or like, wow, like that really clicked and maybe that was predictable and Part of the reason that that was kind of an underwhelming group of pitchers was that Jed was frozen for most of the winter in terms of his budget for baseball operations that, you know, how conservative are the Cubs going to be? How much, you know, how many sports book renderings are they going to produce in the time it takes for Jed to be able to sign like a pitcher to a one year, $5 million deal, you know? So like all this stuff sounds great in theory, but the uh, skepticism is well earned um, from a media fan and even player perspective. One one thing I'll I'll add on that. So there is likely going to be a little bit of a freeze, right? I don't know how it works or how it will work because I don't really remember a time where the CBA was so like the last time that was, was in the early nineties where the CBA was so up in the air. Right. Uh, and, and people were actually concerned that something wouldn't get done and it could hurt free agency. Like, can the, will there be teams that try and take advantage of the fact that most teams are going to be frozen and say, like, I'm not doing anything until the CBA is figured out and try and sign guys before the CBA's hammered out? I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that's possible. I, I, I haven't run this by anybody that's actually in the game. It, it kind of just popped into my head. But I guarantee the Cubs won't be that team. Like so, so that's that's an issue where if there again, if there if there's like four teams that are are like we're gonna we're gonna take advantage of the fact that other teams aren't aren't being aggressive right now, and then the Cubs again have to pick from like you know uh, the bottom half of those pitchers that want one year deals. I think that's going to be that that's where concern comes in, and you're like, okay, well, what what are they doing? And then it also impacts like. How how can guys that have opt outs uh, handle this? Like, can w- will they want to opt out? And then if they don't opt out at a certain time, and then the CBA is figured out, like, is that going to screw with things? Right? Like, they're just like, I can't take the risk of opting out because I have no idea what's going on. Like, it, it'd be insane to me if Nick Castellanos can't opt out. Like, he's going to, he regardless of what the CBA is, I can't see him unless he gets hurt again or, or just completely tanks the final you know month and a half. I have no clue how he can't beat 16 million per for two years. That that seems, am I wrong? Am I misreading something there? But he should blow that out of the water, right? 
Yeah, especially with the potential DH in the yeah. NL looming. And indeed for him, that's a considerable factor with the CBA. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, it is funny. Like, oh, here's a really great opportunity to jump the market when everyone's... Oh, but by the way, it won't be the Cubs. <laughs> and I think that's actually a fair point because we got an inartful parallel last offseason with the pandemic and then a lot of teams were frozen it wasn't just the cubs it was a lot of teams were frozen because they could not make their projections for next year and there were a few teams giants among them notably that jumped early and kind of got some targets and uh it is i think a fair parallel to draw and say well when it comes to the financial stuff the cubs seem to want to leverage their financial might but only if they're like really confident about it. And so that's what we might see uh, happening again. Uh, that's where we'll leave it for today. Uh, we will be back at you next week as the Cubs, uh, they're going to wrap here in Colorado. And then they've got a series with the White Sox, which will just be so much narrative fun. <laughs> it's like half sarcastic, half serious. Um, and we'll be, so yeah, we'll be back at you next week. I am Brett Taylor. Get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That's of Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. This is On to Waveland. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, and you can tell your friends the same thing. And we appreciate it. So be well. Talk soon. <laughs>